Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are a visionary. You have a vision. You just need to create it and bring it to life. Welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program will be an hour of inspiration from leaders who are making their visions happen and will set you on the path to having a big impact through your leadership and the life you really want. Now here's your host, Kate Ebner. Welcome to Visionary Leader, Extraordinary Life. My name is Nancy Lamberton, and I'm sitting in today for Kate Ebner. Um, As our population continues to explode worldwide and create more demands on our planet, we are ever more dependent on engineers for our safety, survival, and even our quality of life. So yet the uh, pipeline of students today majoring in engineering has fallen off and is causing major concern not only in higher education, um, but throughout industry. Today we are joined by Dr. David Goldberg, founder and president of Big Beacon and Three Joy Associates, to hear about his efforts to transform engineering education so that it entices young people not only to become engineers, but to become entirely new kinds of engineers. I am so pleased to be able to explore this critical issue today with Dr. Goldberg as it impacts all of us on this planet. Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you, Nancy. It's great to be here with you. Yeah. Dave, you and I met a few years ago while we were at Georgetown University, both pursuing our studies in leadership coaching. And, uh, you know, I've been following your work um, at Big Beacon and the evolution of this movement since then. And uh, so um, I am so excited to have this opportunity to help you get this message out um, that is so important to all of us. Uh, But before we get into what Big Beacon is, what this movement is, and the impact on all of us, um, I'd like to hear a little bit more um, about you. And um, you are an engineer um, uh, by training um, as well as an educator. Uh, you were a distinguished professor of engineering at the University of Illinois for many years. And I'm curious, what led you into in the engineering field in the first place when, when you were a, a, a young man? Yeah, so that's a, a great question. I guess there were a, a number of influences in my uh, life. One was, uh, as, as sometimes we say, I, I came by engineering uh, naturally and honestly, my my dad uh, uh, is an engineer, and and um, so I listened to his uh, tales of engineering heroics around the dinner table for many years, and and so that was one influence. And then um, I guess another influence was that um, when I was uh, in my early teens, I became an amateur radio operator. So I oh. um, 
I learned Morris code and I built Heath kits and, and, uh, so I was, a a card carrying gizmo and I, <laughs> um, I made, uh, I, I made radios and I talked to people around the world. And, and so I, I always, uh, enjoyed technology in that sort of, uh, hands-on way. So those were, I think those were the two, two big things. And there were, there was a third thing too, the, the, um, my senior year in high school, they had a, a shadow, uh, the city government uh, day. And so I shadowed the city engineer and, uh, that actually influenced the kind of engineer I became. I, I probably would have been an electrical engineer had I not shadowed that civil engineer. So anyways, I think those were the three big influences on me. Yeah. Well, that's, um, that's interesting. And, and I'm curious, um, while you were in engineering school, um, once you decided on that as your major, um, were were you starting to get a sense um, that the education that you were getting was was fairly narrow, um, focused, you know, mostly on you know the the math and the technical aspects? Were did did you get a sense of that that early? Yeah, and I, the engineering curriculum has been pretty stable for a long time, and so uh, when I went, I and I went into. Um, my bachelor's program in the early seventies and, and, uh, it was packed full of calculus and, and physics and chemistry and, and, and all those sorts of things. So it, it's hard not to, to get the sense that engineering is all about, um, these technical subjects. But, but, I, but there was, um, uh, towards when I, I, I went on from my bachelor's to my master's and started, uh, and as a teaching assistant, and it, and and about the same time I did that, I, I wondered why we didn't talk about the human side of engineering and and and, and what was the history of engineering engineering and who are great engineers and great engineering educators. There was nothing about engineering as um, as a human activity. So it it you, you get the impression from the the educational sequence that it's all about the math and and science, and then. And then, and then even later that it's about actually designing things for people, but, but the, the people side and is, is uh, secondary to that technical side, uh, back then. And I, and yeah, I became increasingly aware of it. And as soon as I started teaching, I, I tried to do something about it. Yeah, I, I, in, in the uh, manifesto, which I want to uh, move into next, uh, you, you talk about how um, engineering education really is still stuck back in the rut of the 1950s, uh, that we're still teaching the same things um, today uh, that, that we were then while so many things have changed. So um, based on that, you know, here you are today after receiving, you know, this um, fine engineering education, um, being a practicing engineer, an educator, uh, entrepreneur, um, and and now you're leading this movement to transform um, engineering education uh, yeah. and to bring it up to date, you know, with the challenges. Uh, and as I said, you've written a manifesto that lays out your vision um, uh, and with the title Big Beacon. Um, can you tell us, you know, a little bit more about this manifesto and, you know, what is it exactly and what is your vision um, for engineering education. Yeah, so the, the, the Big Beacon Manifesto was um, uh, written last year. I, I partnered with um, uh, a person named Mark Somerville, who's the Associate Dean at a, 
at a fairly new and excitingly innovative uh, engineering school called Olin College in in uh, Needham, Massachusetts, and and um, and and over actually there, there's a this goes back a few years, but as part of change efforts at Olin and at at, at the University of Illinois when I was still um, full time there. Um, we became increasingly convinced that much of the way that we talked about engineering education change was was not really getting us to the heart of the matter. And so the Big Beacon um, uh, Manifesto, it, well, actually, I should say something about the name. Big, the, the, the name Big Beacon comes from, um, comes from Olin College's mission as, as a beacon. So Olin was founded to to show a light to how engineering education might be different. And, and so I think of Olin as the little beacon and, and the movement big beacon is, is the way we can spread this around, around the world. But the, the idea that there, there's sort of three key ideas in the manifesto. One is that we need, uh, we need a whole new engineer and the term whole, um, is, um, is, is meant in the sense of, um, uh, whole-brained, whole-bodied, whole, uh, whole-hearted uh, engineer. We need we need not just narrow technical specialists, but we need we need uh, young men and women to to go into engineering um, um, fully and wholly uh, as whole human beings, and that that that's part of the education of becoming uh, an engineer. So that's one piece. Another is a whole new engineering education that that in many ways the culture of engineering. Uh, the, the culture of engineering education um, is is part of the problem, and we need to we need to move that. And the and the the third the third piece uh, of this is that we need we need to think about change differently. That we we try to change within the system, and it's worked marginally, but not not particularly well. So so that's what the manifesto is about. Okay, tell, tell us a little bit more about um, that change with, with, within the system. Why why it hasn't worked well to your to your thought? Yeah, so so there's a there's a sense in which we try to change content, curriculum, and pedagogy, but the real problem is cultural and emotional. That under uh, that that the the issues here are are issues of. Um, uh, of, of being able to bring the um, um, that, that we that we that we talk in rational terms about change, but what it's really a matter of um, the change takes place when hearts change and then and then minds change. Was there was there a particular experience, Dave, that that inspired this idea for for reform? Was there something kind of a catalyst for this? From your per- yeah. for you personally, um, so uh, there were there were a number there were a, there were a sequence of things, but there there was um, um, there was one in one in uh, particular that I um, that I'd like to um, expand on. Yeah, so we have a couple of minutes, Dave. Go go ahead and share that with us. Okay, so um, yeah, so I so there there was um there was a moment. Um, in the in the beginnings of of uh, of iFoundry, the Illinois Foundry for Innovation and Engineering Education, where um, 
we realized how that this was really about um, unleashing uh, students. We had students in, in teams uh, associated with their, uh, their aspirations. And um, we had students who wanted to save the world. We wanted students who wanted to be entrepreneurs. Um, we had students who, um, who just wanted to create cool technology, and they, they were in self-organized teams. They had elected their own leaders. And, and then they, they, they came back, and they said, well, now what do you want us to do? Because they were used to being told what to do. And we went back to them, and we said, well, I don't know. You want to save the world, start saving. Or... We, to the entrepreneurs, we said, you, you, you want to be entrepreneurs, go build something. Or, or you want to create cool technology, go create. And so they complained bitterly. But then we, we came to the midterm, and they, they had to make presentations about their plans. And they told us, um, they told us that these wonderful things that they were doing, and it was really cool. And so we got to the end of this, this program about, about them telling us about the plans and these teams that they were on. And then um, we were getting suggestions for how we might improve things. And, and one, one of our students raised her hand, and she said, well, I, have a, I have a comment, not an improvement. Her, name's, her name is, is Jamie. And I said, okay, what's your comment? She said, we weren't sure you were serious about us doing what we wanted to do. And then we realized you were, and it was really cool. Okay, Dave, that is a great place to... Um for us to stop for um, a quick break. And we will come back. I want to hear more uh, about um, iFoundry and uh, what you've discovered and how that's applied uh, to the work you're doing today. So we'll be back in just a couple minutes. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Hello, and welcome back to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. I would like to thank all of our listeners today and remind you uh, to go to um, www.nebocompany.com to sign up for our newsletter. Um, There you'll receive um, information on um, radio show 
uh, guests, um, various articles, previews of upcoming shows, and extra resources on a variety of leadership topics. This is Nancy Lamberton, and I'm sitting in today for uh, Kate Ebner, and I'm joined by Dr. Dave Goldberg, who, among other roles, is co-founder and president of Big Beacon, an organization dedicated to transforming engineering education. And uh, right before break, Dave, you were telling us about um, a, a student's um, observation, uh, Jamie, uh, who in the iFoundry pilot program um, was indicating that they, the students weren't really sure that you trusted them, that you yeah. weren't, they weren't really sure that, that you really wanted them to act on their own and um, to, to start implementing this kind of being a new type engineer. So tell us a little bit more about um, the iFoundry and what you, you learned through that program. Yeah, and so iFoundry was, uh, was, was designed as a, an incubator for programmatic change. Now, we usually think of an incubator in the context of entrepreneurship. You, you incubate a new company. But the idea of iFoundry was to, 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 um, to have a, an incubator for new programs and new ways of, of learning inside of a fairly traditional big state public university like the University of Illinois. So uh, this, this effort started back in about 2007. And, and, and the comment that I mentioned, the, the, the comment I mentioned uh, that, that Jamie made was, was really interesting because um, in, that, in, the, in, in that year when, when we had these, these students who had joined this pilot effort, um, they, they, they started uh, to complain about what we were asking them to do that we, that we hadn't been specific enough. And actually, they're, they're, they, we had them blog as part of this, this uh, pilot course that we had created. And in the blogs, they were, oh, those iFoundry guys don't know what they're doing. But then when we came to that, that midterm experience where Jamie said, we weren't sure you were serious, um, and then we realized you were and it was really cool, we realized that, that's, that we have students conditioned to be passive and that, that part of our job is to... Um, sort of insist that, that that not happen and, and sort of wait until they become um, active in, in their own education. And we, we, call that, we call that unleashing. And you used an interesting word. You used the word trust, and I think that's exactly the right word, that the, the first part of that is to trust the students, in a, in a sense, before they trust themselves. Um, and that, that trust, if you hold in it and you sit there for a while, at some point, they'll believe it, and then the students um, have courage to take action on their own behalf. And that's, that's, when, uh, that's when all hell breaks loose in a beautiful kind of way. That's where, that's where the good stuff is in education. And um, we, were sitting here, we were sitting there watching this and, and going, um, we hadn't done enough. Um, we, the teachers, hadn't done enough, and then we realized it wasn't about what we did. It was about what they did, and, and it was a really beautiful moment. So, so how, um, how did you foster that different experience for your iFoundry students? Once you had that learning, um, how did you carry that forward? Yeah, so, um, so I think, you know, so I think, uh, you know, so part of it is to... Um, uh, 
there, there are various ways to encourage it programmatically, but, but the programmatic part in some sense isn't the, the most important part. It's sort of the, the deeper question is how does an expert like a PhD that's been trained in engineering for, for four years undergraduate, a couple years in a master's program and, and three to six years in a PhD program, how does an expert like that um, learn to trust? In other words, we're asking someone who's been trained as an expert. What's an expert? An expert is a person who says, I know. And we're asking that person to shift and become a, a, someone who can say, I trust or even we trust. Um, and, and so we're actually, so I think the, 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 the part of this, the secret sauce to this, the real leverage point of this kind of transformation begins with personal transformation uh, of, of, the, of those who, who come into teaching to have this ability to balance the I know with the we trust. Okay. So um, you, you've written in the manifesto of Big Beacon that um, yeah. th- this effective educational change is both an emotional and yeah. cultural process. Yeah. Um, is this what you're, is this that part of that emotional shift that you're trying to bring about in, in engineering education, this where it starts first kind of with this personal transformation, the emotional piece? Yes, and, and, it's, and, it's, and it's, real, it's really sort of, it's hard, and, it, and it, it's particularly hard in, in a field that is on outward, the outward side as rational as engineering. Engineering, of course, is about, about rationally building things and, and having good reasons for, for doing all that we do, and we want that. On the other hand, there's there's a sense in which that kind of rational side of engineering has gone too far to where we've sort of snuffed out the, the passion that, that brings people into the field and, and, and keeps, them, keeps them in the field um, and then also um, unleashes young engineers in a, in a world that's demanding greater and greater creativity, less and less passivity. So, yes, it's it's emotional at the level of the individual and it's cultural at the level of the institution that, that, that both of those indi- individuals um, in engineering education, students and faculty alike, and the institution itself have to show up um, in a more authentic and, and, and um, uh, emotional way. Yes. Okay. Uh, tell us, uh, I'm curious a little bit more about the, the cultural process that needs mm-hmm. to take place. Yeah. So there's this. You know, so it. You know, so there's this. Um, you know that if if you think about the existing culture, what are its characteristics? Well, well, first of all, engineering education is highly individualistic. You know, individual okay. professors do their research. Individual students do their own work. So there's so one shift. Um, and if you actually look at engineering out in the workplace, engineering out in the workplace is a team sport. So we have this sort of mismatch between engineering as taught as, indi- as an individual practice versus engineering as practiced as a, as a team sport. That's one thing. Oh, that's um, really, in- yeah, that's really, in- that's really interesting to, to that, that, that distinction. Well, and it's, and, and, and it's not as the engineering ex- education has done a pretty good job in certain places. So for example, uh, there are team, there are more and more, it's not like there, there, that, that no innovations take place. And actually, quite a lot of attention has been has been paid to 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 the to some of the difficulties of engineering education. And one place that 
that teamwork shows up is in, say, senior design courses and freshman design courses, and students do get the experience of working on, on teams in engineering. By counter-distinction, a liberal arts education remains largely an individual pursuit. So engineering education has done a pretty good job of getting students into teams at some point, and even that, that said, there's still the sense that it's, that, that, um, that it's, an indivi- it's, it's an individual pursuit. It, it used to be the case that you'd walk into an engineering classroom your freshman year, and the professor would stand at the front of the class, and he'd say, look to your left, look to your right, and two of the three of you won't be here next semester. Anything you think about it, and actually, statistically, that was accurate. The numbers now, we, we lose roughly 50% of our students now, not two-thirds. But, um, so there's been some improvement there, but, but still we lose a lot of our, a lot of students uh, move on to something else after their first year or so of engineering. Um, that was statistically accurate, but think about the, the cultural side of that, of a, of a professor saying that and almost taking pride in it. It's almost as though this is, this is a natural survival of the fittest and only the strong survive and are you tough enough? So there was, there's a sense that the culture doesn't, is not supportive. And, and after all, these stu- students who come into engineering have proven themselves in K-12 to be capable of math and science. And so we take capable, um, capable students and, and we sort of say, well, we're going to, um, actually we call those weed out courses and we weed them out. And, and the strong survive. So there's a sense in which the culture is competitive, um, not, not collaborative. Yeah. So is this, is this um, culture um, that exists today, is, is that part of what's really um, discouraging some of our young people um, from, from entering into the study of engineering in the first, in the first place? I I I think that's that you know there've been there've been studies of this and I think you know that 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 yes that that the culture is 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 one thing the perception that this is uh, this is this is really hard and the uh, word on the street for young people thinking about going into engineering is that this is really hard a lot of people don't make it um, and so I think there's some sense that that there's the discouragement but I think the other um, the other part is that we. You know, and uh, there, there's sort of, some of the efforts that we make. We make lots of efforts uh, in in K-12 to try to bring people into science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. The acronym STEM is often used, and and so one of the one of the difficulties um, there is that the emphasis K-12 has traditionally been on on math and science, so the S and the M, um, and not the Technology and engineering, the T and the E, and so in, in a certain sense, that's motivationally backwards. I mean, there's no there's no question in human history which came first. Uh, uh, human beings and human ancestors were making um, um, stone axes two and a half million years ago. By contrast, math and science are a study that's at most you know six to ten thousand years old. So there's no there's no chicken or egg problem here. Technology is the primary impulse um, it, uh, of, of human beings, and math and science are kind of a form of technology that comes much, much later in human history. But there's a sense in which those things have dominated the discussion of what should be taught K-12, 
And that's kind of, that seems backwards in a certain way. So why not get kids excited about cool stuff like bridges and automobiles and the things that they see every day in their lives that, that make their lives, um, you know, computer games and so forth. All these things that they see, this, these, these marvels of our, of our time. And yet we, we say, well, first go, go study math, go study, go study science in an abstract sense. And then we'll let you, then we'll talk later. Maybe when you're a, a junior or a senior in an engineering program, we'll talk to you about design and, and using this to help people. That seems motivationally back, backward. Let's get kids excited about what you can do with, with um, technology and engineering, and then, then, then they'll be motivated to learn the science and math ab- uh, behind it. And, and this has been proven time and again. There, there are wonderful programs like Project Lead the Way and First Robotics where, where this is done, but oftentimes it's done in an extracurricular way uh, or as an optional way. The, okay. the, the royal road through education is through math and science, in a very, in kind of an abstract, one right answer kind of way, as opposed to this more human way through technology and what, what technology can do to help people. Okay, Dave, um, we're, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, um, I want to explore how you are taking um, this message out to, um, to the world and uh, some more tips around uh, bringing more students into uh, the engineering field. So we'll, we'll be right back after a message. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Good morning, and thank you for listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. I'm Nancy Lamberton, and I'm guest hosting for Kate Ebner today. And I'm speaking with Dr. Dave Goldberg um, of Big Beacon and Three Joy Associates about his work in reforming engineering education. And uh, right before break, uh, Dave was sharing with us um, some of the needs for changing not only um, engineering education at the uh, you know university level, um, but we were also talking about um, K through 12 and how uh, we we are focused on science and math uh, more than the joys of uh, technology and creating. So um, what I would like to do, kind of focus now, Dave, on um, 
you know, how you're taking this um, message out into the world and, and how this message is, is, is being, being accepted, um, you know, I would imagine that it's difficult to have um, a conversation uh, in academics um, and especially engineering education using terms like uh, that we've been using here today, like trust, and joy of engineering, and um, even even love, making that connection with other humans, um, it, it has been hard to, to be taken seriously uh, about this need for this whole new engineer. Uh, you know, that's a, a, a great uh, question. And, you know, we didn't start by talking about these words to begin with. If you go back to the beginnings of Olin College, a lot of the discussion was about what everyone talks about, curriculum change, content change, pedagogy change. If you look at the beginnings of iFoundry, the beginnings of iFoundry were uh, a discussion about how we need to organize differently and have different structures. So it was the discussions early on were, were really very much like other discussions, and it was ex- but it was experiences like the story I told with Jamie and, and others that that convinced us um, that that these variables, these emotional variables, needed to be talked about. And and um, I, I, I remember, uh, I'll just be brief about it. But I remember I, I was I was at the uh, one of the top high schools in um, Singapore called uh, Hua Chung Institution, and we were talking about leadership in leadership presence with 15- and 16-year-olds. And, and so I'm talking, we're having this great conversation, and I get to the end, and this young woman raises her hand, and we've been talking about presence and, and how it's important to be present as a leader and how it's important to pay attention to what's really happening in the moment. So um, the, the kind of thing that a, an executive coach might work with a CEO on, I'm talking to these 15-year-olds, and they're getting it, and it's so beautiful, and this young woman raises her hand, and she says, I have a question. I say, what's your question? She says, how do you learn the courage to be present as a leader? And I just, I just stopped in my tracks, and I, I gave her an answer. I wish I could say that I gave her a great answer. I gave her a good answer. And, but as I thought about that question, it seemed like, in some sense, the central question of, of, of education in, in this creative era that we live in. We want young people... To be um, to be innovators, we say we want them to be creative. And by the way, this is not just an American thing. This you you go to Singapore and, and talk to educators there; they want that for their young people. You go to go to Brazil and Chile; they want that. I, you go to go to the Netherlands. Everyone wants this. Everyone knows that innovation is the key. And yet we have this this legacy system that tells young people shut up and sit down and and be obedient. And yet we really want the opposite of that. And, and that young woman's question seems to me to be sort of the central thing. How do we learn that courage? And, and so, but, but you're right, to talk about words like courage um, and, and, and even love. I, I remember the first time I used the L word in a paper. I was giving a, a talk on the engineer of the future down in Brazil. And um, it was 200 engineering profs, mainly male. And um, I talked about, and you and I have talked about this, about the experience of learning how to become a leadership coach is essentially um, uh, an experience in learning unconditional and non-judgmental love for your clients. 
And so I taught, I told a story from Georgetown to this, um, to, to this group of engineers and I used, I used the L word. And, and before I did, there were, I was, I was on the dais with a, a university president and he looked at me and he was concerned. Dave, he says, are you sure you want to use that word? It's, it's such a, a word. They, exactly the question you asked, will they take you seriously? And I just, I faced kind of a moment of truth, and I, I, I had to, I had to use it because it's the right word. That and, and, what, and what and what and and what was the response like? It, it was it, uh, people were surprised, I, and when I used the word, I could see the reaction was was almost shock or surprise. But then afterwards, the discussion took it seriously. So I think I, I uh, and 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 actually in some ways I think using that word changed the tenor of that discussion. And actually, my my experience is that when you when when we use the words that it, that describe the authentic experience, if if you we're not using I'm not using those words um, lightly. I'm using those words because they I think they authentically describe where we have to go. And I think so if you if you use them seriously, uh, in a serious way, and 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 have people understand why these things are important, I think they will take you seriously. But I think the thing that stops us from using them is fear that um, that that's not that's not what a serious academic talks about. A serious academic should not get up in front of two hundred engineers and use uh, use lo- the word love. But it seems to me that um, in part that's actually part of the problem. Um, I, I love Brene Brown's work on shame and vulnerability and her, her wonderful TED video on the power of vulnerability. Yeah, that's really wonderful. And it seems to me that what we're trying to do is, is, is really tied in with what's, what she's talking about. She talks about wholehearted living and the, the wholehearted, the only difference between the wholehearted and, and those who are not are, is that the wholehearted believe they are worthy. And then as a result, they have the ability to be vulnerable. They don't think of vulnerability as something that's easy, but they think of it as something that's necessary to live a wholehearted and full life. And I just think that that's at the core of what we're talking about here, is that um, we sort of hide, and even in academic circles, we talk oftentimes about the feeling that you're an imposter and that you'll be discovered, that you've professed expertise as a professor, and maybe you'll be found out not to be the expert that you're professing to be. Well, that's a vulnerability issue. That's sort of pretending that you're something that you're not or fear that you'll be discovered. And, and Brene Brown's work points in the direction of, no, we have to, we have to sort of say, it's okay to say, I don't know. But that goes back to what I was saying before, the expert, the I know and the I trust, it seems there's a relationship there. To get from I know to I trust, maybe it needs to go through I don't know. And that where it's okay to say out loud, I don't know, and that it's at that moment that you can listen to your students um, and and trust them to figure out for themselves what they should do. Yeah, Dave, um, you uh, you know have been sharing this message. You obviously travel uh, around the world and and, and talking to um, other um, educators and. Um, such uh, around this message, uh, and you also uh, write uh, blog posts periodically for uh, Huffington Post. Yeah. Um, 
in, in a recent one, um, you stated that we need uh, more diversity in our engineers in order to solve the world's problem. Um, can you share a little bit more with, with, with us, like, why is diversity such an important part of this solution? Yeah, so I think it's, and so typically when we talk about diversity, it's in the, the narrow sense of um, uh, racial or gender diversity, and and you know, we in the Big Beacon we of course support that, and I think that, but we were trying to say in that article something that goes beyond that, that there's a sense in which um, we want sort of that engineering is um, is a very human activity, building and 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 serving um, through technology is is really big and important, and it it shouldn't be limited to a particular um, uh, personality type, a particular, you know, it shouldn't be, be limited to um, uh, uh, Myers, particular Myers-Briggs category. It's, and, and so we're talking about um, diversity. And we want, yes, we want people who are linear thinkers, and we want people who are nonlinear thinkers. We want creative, we want orderly. We want, there's a sense in which engineering is, is a big tent and that, it, and that the culture is kind of, been focused by history, by actually by an accident of his, by accidents of history into this fairly narrow place. But if you actually go back to earlier days in engineering, engineering was a big, bigger top, a bigger tent, and 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 was welcoming to a, a greater diversity of of um, of interests. And so it seems to me there's a, there's a piece of this that's back to the future, but. But we also believe that if, if this if 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 it be if this kind of of cultural and intellectual and personality diversity um, becomes part of engineering culture, that it will be more welcoming um, to, um, to 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 racial and gender diversity, and 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 that some of the things that we've been we've been working to apply band aids of various kinds to 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 move off the dime of. 18, 20% uh, enrollment of uh, women, for example. Uh, it seems to me that if we get the, if we sort of get the culture right, that we won't, we won't need those, that we shouldn't need those things. It will be naturally more, more welcoming to uh, uh, a more diverse um, mm-hmm. group of people in the, in the traditional sense. Yeah, we just have a couple more minutes before our next break, Dave, but a, a little bit more because, you know, I have a special interest in girls and women in engineering and technology fields, and you mentioned only 18% of undergraduate yeah. engineering students are women and, and less than 10% of all working current working engineers are women today. Yeah. Um, so what specifically about this whole new engineer do you think is would be more appealing to, to women? Um. And yeah, so uh, I'm always, uh, you know, as as a as a man, I'm always a little I'm I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable um, offering my opinions here, but I but I can offer some facts. Uh, so when we when we started putting um, the messaging of 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 um, the Big Beacon out on the web, we did some advertising, and in our advertising, two percent of our reach, um, two essentially two percent of the people we were reaching were female, and, um, and roughly 50% of the likes that were generated. So we were reaching small numbers of women, but in terms of those who, who took the time to say they liked what we were doing on, on Facebook, um, were, were female. So, there, so there's evidence that the, the, 
the the cultural balance that we're talking about, the sense of, and I think and maybe it's things like uh, sub, that the culture um, moves from the sort of um, uh, boot camp style tough tough it out to a more supportive culture, a more collaborative culture, uh, more caring culture. Those some of those when we we've, we've had Twitter chats and 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 some of our our women participants have have talked about how 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 those things are attractive. Yeah, so, I, I yeah. definitely, you know, my work with women uh, and leadership, I, I definitely see that more collaborative uh, environment being appealing. Well, let's come back. We'll come back and finish this um, a little bit more on um, the, uh, the uh, uh, cultural changes here in diversity uh, when we get back from this break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Hello, and thank you for joining me, Nancy Lamberton, on Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. I'm sitting in today for Kate Ebner, and I have the privilege of to be speaking with uh, Dr. Dave Goldberg, who is working on a crucial mission with his organization, Big, Be- uh, Big Beacon, and that mission is all about transforming the educational experience for engineers and, and really beyond, and we'll be talking about that in this um, last segment of our show today. But uh, before we do that, I wanted to finish um, the conversation, Dave, you and I were um, having around um, Enhancing more diversity. You know, we most of us, well, and the and the data shows, um, you know, a large majority of um, engineering students um, are still male, mostly white and Asian males. So there's, um, you know, a whole um, group of of women uh, and and other um, minorities who um, would would uh, be great candidates for engineering. Education, being engineers and helping solve the world's problems, if we if we could appeal to them a bit more, um, and I was wondering if if you had um, any advice for parents or potentially high school teachers who are trying to um, interest uh, uh, girls and and uh, uh, others uh, to to follow through and studying engineering and maybe other STEM subjects. Yeah, so I think I think there are a number of things you know. That, so there are. Um, there are there are programs in uh, K K twelve that are directed at um, 
um, that young women and, and girls, um, for example, um, I was uh, talking with some of the leaders at the Technovation Challenge that um, uh, get, get young women together and help them um, create a, um, uh, um, apps for mobile phones and they pitch them and it, it's a wonderful program. But I, I think you're getting involved in some sort of, um, some sort of K-12 activity. Uh, um, I, 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 I get tweets and, and, and notes from um, young women in FIRST Robotics and Project Lead the Way. And so I think those are, those are great entrees. Um, some of them are oriented towards women only, some not. But I think getting involved in it and getting uh, getting your hands dirty and getting some experience of it to see whether it's something that that you enjoy and should continue on with is 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 a good way to go. And then I think once you come to campus, there are important uh, um, um, there are, um, important uh, student groups that uh, that help make sure that there's support for young women and and uh, and, um, and minority students uh, underrepresented minority students. So, for example, the Society of Women Engineers has has chapters on most campuses, and so uh, connecting with with, uh, with 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 them is a great way to go. And then even the choice of uh, discipline can make a difference. So, for example, the, the we talked about the averages um, being something like 18, 20 percent uh, enrollment by women. Um, but if you in some, and I don't know the exact numbers, but if you look at, for example, some fields like bioengineering and biomedical um, uh, engineering. There's a there's a there's a gender tilt um, yeah. towards towards women there. So I think there are there 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 are ways to sort of take the the current situation and 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 do your best do your best with it. Yeah. And I think but I think another thing is to uh, uh, support activities like uh, the Big Beacon and and let's help uh, change this uh, and and make it uh, more welcoming welcoming place for all kinds of different people who are currently don't find it attractive. Yeah. I think one of the things, Dave, that, that struck me um, at, uh, earlier in our conversation that you were talking about bringing joy um, to the, the yes. study of engineering, not just once you're out practicing it. And so for um, young people to be able to see, you know, what they can do, what they can create, uh, and that joy in engineering, uh, if they can see that earlier on, what they would actually be doing, I think that would uh, obviously be be something that would um, help create um, interest and uh, help help eliminate some of that old um, stigma around uh, engineering education. You you in your um, um, article um, on the Huffington Post uh, talked about a third area of a need for diversity, which was aspirational diversity. And to me, that kind of, this, this getting people excited about um, what they could do with an engineering education uh, was what you're addressing under aspirational diversity. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, and, and so that, in, the, in some ways that goes back to our early iFoundry experience where we, where we, we asked students when they came into the 2009 pilot, we said, well, why, why do you want to be an engineer? And, and we got three different types of answers. One type was, I want to uh, work directly to help people in, in um, uh, impoverished people or people who are hungry. And we said, beautiful, we admire that. And some said to us, I want to be the next Max Levchin, the next great um, entre- tech entrepreneur from, from Illinois. Or, or I, want to, I just want to create cool technology. 
And it's, it seems to me that engineering is engineering education is tuned to the cool technology uh, kinds of uh, guys of the of the '60s and '70s, like I was. I was a gizmo, and I and it was natural for me to come into engineering. And and we have le- and we have less of that motivation. And so it seems to me that that aspirational diversity. Well, what what is it that turns you on about engineering? And we have to. We have to hold that aspir- hold those aspirations and respect them, and and give them a place to ex- express them themselves. And and I was, um, yeah, it, it 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 seems to me, you know, one of the things about engineering is it's oftentimes viewed as an instrument. Engineering is an instrumental profession. It, we use engineering to do something for someone, but it but. Um, I think one of the keys here is to um, not be quite so instrumental. What would engineering education be if it was less, a, a little less instrumental and and a, a little bit more uh, about um, uh, uh, finding ways to express yourself? So I think we have to we have to we have to ask these young people. Well, what is it about engineering that is? It is an expression of your identity. This is really an identity issue that we're talking about, and and then we then we need to um, we need to listen to that, and we need to find ways to let let people express um, express themselves in that way as as part of the educational process. And I think that's part of uh, I think that's part of what's worked in in some of the exemplars of engineering education transformation that are going on today. Dave, we only have a couple of more minutes, and I would love to explore more about um, the um, uh, Big Beacon and how it's even reaching um, yeah. beyond um, the engineering education and into other fields. But we don't have time for that today, and I want to make sure that we have a chance um, to talk about um, what's um, in store uh, for you and, and this movement. Uh, you're writing a book which yes. is scheduled to be published um, in uh, 2014. Uh, can, can you just uh, tell us a little bit, you know, working title and what inspired you to write the book? Yeah, so um, the book is called A Whole New Engineer, uh, and the subtitle is A Surprising Emotional Journey. So we've got that kind of cognitive dissonance between the word engineer and the word emotion in, in, the, in the title. And um, it... When I was working with my colleague Mark Somerville, and we we come on this journey together, and in these two institutions, uh, a little Olin, the David of engineering education reform, and sort of big bad Illinois, or the the Goliath of a public university, working together to try to change things, and and we realized that that was kind of a special story. You know, it's not that often that that institutions that different. Um, Big research university and a, an education-oriented uh, liberal arts uh, uh, startup working together, and 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 the stories were so compelling. So this, the 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 book is a is a book of stories. It's it's not really a research text. It's more yeah. um, how to to convey um, the best we can the sense of deep emotion and connection that's important to get this this transformation right. And so um, that's what inspired. Um, um, the book, and we're we're looking forward to going around the world and having having whistle stops on a global tour to to have a conversation. It's not really a book tour as much as a 
a conversation tour about what engineering education should be in this country and that country. What should it be in Chile? What should it be in the Netherlands? What should it be in Singapore? And let's have that conversation around the world and, um, and, and see if we can't, can't do better. Dave, thank you so much for making us part of that conversation today. This has just been um, very enlightening, and uh, we're, we're going to look forward to um, reading your book and hearing more about this in the uh, upcoming months. I want to let all the listeners know that um, if you would like to, more information about Big Beacon, you can go to bigbeacon.org and read the manifesto as well as um, find out other um, resources for uh, continuing to be part of this very, very important conversation and movement. Thank you so much, Dave, for joining me today. Thank you, Nancy. It's been great to be with you. Thank you all for tuning in, and uh, this has been Visionary Leader, Extraordinary Life. I'm Nancy Lamberton, um, standing in for Kate Ebner today, and thank you, and everybody have an extraordinary day. We sincerely hope you've enjoyed hearing from leaders who are using vision to create an inspiring future. Please join host Kate Ebner for another edition of Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business Channel. Meanwhile, visit www.nebocompany.com for more tips on bringing your own vision to life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.